Hi, Foxies. The episode you're trying to listen to is right around the corner, but first, we need your help. You may have noticed that there are no ads during the Fox and the Foxhound. We prefer this, being ad haters ourselves, but we need your help to keep it that way. If you love this show, please consider signing up as a patron at patreon.com slash the Fox and the Foxhound. We have Patreon tiers starting at just $1 a month. And not only will you get fun extra content and an unedited cut of every episode two days early, you'll be directly responsible for keeping the show going in all of its ad-free glory. Thanks to all of our existing patrons, past patrons, and hopefully future patrons. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Fox and the Foxhound. And if you're a longtime Foxy, welcome back. We are Amanda and Kevin Wilson, married people, parents to baby Paris, and we can now say both confirmed Potterheads. Three years ago, we started this podcast as I embarked on reading the series for the first time. To hear his impressions, both of the series and literal impressions along the way, be sure to listen to seasons one through seven. Season eight marks a new beginning for us as we branch out beyond the original seven books. Each week, we will be tackling something new within the Potterverse, character deep dives, themes, and how they present through the series, unlicensed productions, and so much more. If there's something you'd like us to discuss, we will let you know how to reach out to us later in the episode. If you'd like to support the Fox and the Foxhound, we will tell you all about that, too. Thanks for being here. Let's get to it. I've written a poem. Okay. To commemorate our return to the radio. (laughs) Go for it. Riding into town alone by the light of the moon. I'm looking for old (laughs) Suki Jones. She crazy horse saloon. What are you talking about? What is this? What is happening? Please continue, but also don't. I don't. I don't know. No, I'm crying and I can't. <laughs> Please don't interrupt me again. <laughs> this is my poem. <clears throat> Barkeep, give me a drink. <laughs> what is? What is this? Oh. God. Uh, <laughs> oh, we might have to just take a break. No. Start over. No, I need you to continue. Okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Barkeep, give me a drink. That's when she caught my eye. She turned to give me a wink, then make a grown man cry. Because I'm back in the saddle again. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back in the saddle again. I'm back. Okay. Come easy. Go easy. All right. (laughs) Till the rising sun. I'm calling all the shots tonight. I'm like a loaded gun. Peeling off my boots and chaps, I'm saddle sore. Four bits gets you time in the racks. I scream for more. Jesus Christ. Fool's gold out of their minds. The girls are soaking wet. No tongues drier than mine. Excuse me. I'll come when I get back. What? I'm back in the saddle again. I'm back. I'm back in the saddle again. Okay. Are those actually the lyrics to that song? That is dirty as fuck. No, I'm familiar with the song. You don't have to sing it. Yeah, it's, it's very a, sexual. It's this is a very old Aerosmith super, song. Super sexual. It says, 
I'm riding. I'm loading up my pistol. I'm riding. I really got a fistful. Is the pistol his I'm penis? I'm riding. I'm shining up my saddle. I'm riding. This snake is going to rattle. The snake is also the penis? All of them are the penis. The saddle, the saddle too? Everything. The saddle's the penis. The horse is the penis. The horse is wearing <laughs> horse pants that has a penis. It's, everything is, you know. So we're back in the saddle again. We've had a very strange day today and week life (laughs) and so we're a little punchy so we went on vacation for an entire week yeah with a 16 month old a three and a half year old a six and a half year old three teenagers and 12 adults yes in one house yes this is when people stop being polite and And start start getting getting real. real it really you know you could base a reality show on it and my family I love them. They're so loud. <sighs> well, everyone has to be loud because to everyone be else heard is loud. Over everyone else talking. Yeah. They're so loud. They're all so loud. They always have been. God bless them. It's not like they, you know. I think everyone's family is loud, hon. I don't think there are quiet families. I think it would be weird if you had that many people in one house and everyone was like, Hi, what are we having for breakfast today? Would you like some coffee? Like, you know, it would be strange if it was quiet. It's also a heightened environment. Everyone's excited to see each other. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. Yes. But we'll talk about that later. Then your, both of your cars got hit and run. Oh God. Yeah. This morning. So we get back on Saturday. The trip was awesome. Everything went off without a hitch. Mm -hmm. As they say, it was badass. Anyway, we'll get into a little bit of that later. Okay. So. So we get back on Saturday, Sunday, which is today. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. I come outside to get another suitcase out of your car, mm-hmm. and there's a note in the storm door. Ooh, I say, intrigue. You know, <laughs> maybe I have a gentleman caller. And so I look at the note. It's like an old envelope, and it says, this is my name. This is my house number. It was like Vicky Pink House, you know, like it was the whole thing that the cops took 45 minutes to process. Her name was Vicky Pink House? Yeah. And basically the note was like cars, bang, bang, truck, license plate number, pink house. Sorry about your luck. Yeah. And so then I walked out and was like, oh, what is she talking about? Like something must have happened to my vehicles. Right. And then I look out and the whole bumper's off the front of my truck. Yeah. And the bumper smashed in the back of my car. It's bad. I own two Old used vehicles. I'm very proud of. Yes. And they both were smashed to shit. They're they're both pretty much destroyed. When you came in and said, honey, both of my cars were hit and run, or how it's like a really hard way to phrase that, by they the way. They were hit and they were ran. Right. They were hit by someone who then ran or drove away. I was expecting like scrapes down the side of both like which would have sucked but when i walked out and that whole damn bumper is on the ground and there's like broken glass and you and can't open just the like, front door whoa yeah. novak Djokovic lost wimbledon championship today that was that was my patronus moment for today <laughs> that was amazing but then this hit and run thing happened and then like it's all it's and then i auditioned for a play for the first time you auditioned for years. a play for the first time in five years and you also were offered a part same day by the way which you're still just kind of like trying to figure out how you're going to respond and i slept last night without a fan uh-huh. and my cat was singing an opera that was super weird <laughs> things have been really weird things have been really weird but we're back for season nine and tell the folks what we're doing we are covering the next 
chapter on the Barnes and Noble best chapters of Harry Potter list, which is chapter 12 from the first book, The Mirror of Erised. This is as far back as we've gone in the podcast since we passed this material. Yeah, oh, we've, definitely. I mean, we've revisited some like Deathly Hallows stuff, but we haven't really revisited the first book all that much. Yeah, I don't think so. I think maybe, I'm trying to remember, I think there might have been one other chapter on this list so far yeah, that was from book series. one, right. but like, I don't think it was this, this is pretty early in book one, or yeah. it's like the middle, I guess. Now, top of the show announcements, next week we're going to do more Cursed Child, because I know you're fiending for Cursed Child, it's been a long time. And my my only other thing is be sure we're starting off a new season. Be sure to send us your topic ideas for season nine. We've got some great ones, but we can always use more. We like having options. Yeah. Send us the weirdest stuff that you possibly yeah, can. Absolutely. Let's get weird with it. Put it in chat GPT. Have AI write some some topics for us. Yeah. That's how we're doing the show right now. This is actually not even our voices. It's it's AI. Yeah. How would you know? <laughs> aliens are real as your brother says it's yes, happening my brother it's happening. my brother is convinced that aliens are it's among us currently so the mirror of erised <laughs> yes and what we're going to try to do is not go into the same deep dives that we did the first time around you don't exactly need chapter explained to you right you're all pros at this point we mm-hmm. want to revisit that what right. we do want to talk about is basic summary of what's going on and mm-hmm. why this makes the list, why this chapter Absolutely. means so much. Absolutely. And also, should this make it into the next screen adaption or, you know, any thoughts that we have on that, right? Like, should it be almost word for word? Should it be cut altogether? You know, like I remember when we talked about the other minister, we both were sort of like, this doesn't really translate to the screen. The tension here doesn't really translate to the screen. So we'll talk about that yeah. too. I um, Just from the start, I almost feel like this is a perfect Harry Potter chapter. Oh, it's amazing. It's this is wonderful. almost like, so Doctor Who, the series that had... Matt as the doctor, I want to say. Mm. can't remember, but there's some gateway Doctor Who episodes that'll mm. get people to watch Doctor Who. Yeah. One of them is the Van Gogh episode, oh. which you've probably watched on YouTube. I have, yeah. But this is one of those, like, what I would pitch to publishers. This yes. is a, give us a sample of the book. All right, here's a chapter. Absolutely. It's perfection. It's wonderful. So let's just briefly talk about, and I mean, I'm talking about in six bullet points, what happens in this chapter, just plot wise. It's almost Christmas. Harry is excited. He's staying at Hogwarts. The Weasleys who are currently in school anyway, are also staying at Hogwarts. Hermione is not. But leading up to Hermione's departure, the trio, they're still researching to figure out who Nicholas Flamel is. Um, Harry gets his presents on Christmas morning, pretty much his first like Christmas morning ever, including the invisibility cloak, a really seminal prop in the entire series. He receives it in this chapter. And then that night he kind of goes wandering with the cloak and he ends up at the mirror of Erised kind of accidentally. He goes there three nights in a row because he sees his family brings Ron on night two. Ron sees something different. And then on the third night, Dumbledore is there and he explains to Harry what the mirror does, essentially. I mean, did I miss anything? No. Perfect. Love. Thank you. <clears throat> thank you very much. So what makes this a great chapter, in your opinion? 
not only is the descriptive writing simple but delicious, mm-hmm. like the food mm-hmm. and the decorations and everything, it just takes you into the world of Harry Potter. Like, I wanted to go to Universal so bad after reading oh, this chapter. Yes. It takes you into it, but it gives you a lot of characters' motivations. And looking back through, I've already read the whole series eyes, mm-hmm. there's some things that really stood out to me. Yeah. So the first thing that stands out to me is this incident with Hagrid, yeah. where he's trying to carry a Christmas tree through the door. <laughs> yeah. Once again, what are the physics of magic? Right. Why can't we, like, why does this man have to be carrying the tree? Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's a really interesting question, though. Yeah. But Malfoy comes and runs his mouth. Oh, mm-hmm. must be pretty sad to have to stay at Hogwarts because your family doesn't want you or mm-hmm. whatever he says to, like, you know, make a jab at Harry. Ron goes for him. Haggard tells McGonagall he was provoked. He was talking about his family or whatever. And Ron says something to the effect of, I'm going to get him one day. Mm. Like one day Malfoy's going to get it. And Harry says, I hate them both, Malfoy and Snape. Oof. And looking at that now, yeah. knowing the roles that Malfoy and Snape play ultimately yeah, Dumbledore's murder and this whole thing, oh, I was yeah. like, wow, that's a, a one of the first little implanted chips that gets put into your brain of, hey, here's who your antagonists are. Make sure you don't forget these two names. Yeah. I also think it's really interesting to go back to book one and see Malfoy from this super two-dimensional perspective, knowing the arc that he has and knowing like how complicated his characterization becomes, especially like starting in like book six, you know, those last two books are, I mean, Draco Malfoy is, he's an incredibly complex character. And I think more so than Snape personally, but I'm also blinded by my hatred for Snape. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think that's really interesting. There's a lot of little nods too. Like one thing that I know I wasn't able to bring up the first time we read this because it would have been a huge spoiler, is right at the beginning of this chapter, Fred and George are like throwing snowballs at the back of Quirrell's head, but that's where Voldemort lives. So they're throwing snowballs at, at Voldemort. Voldemort's face. Yeah, which is kind of great. That should have just ended the whole book. Like Voldemort <laughs> just kills them. <laughs> but that's the whole thing is that he's split up and he doesn't have the power. Like he can't really do anything. He's just exactly. kind of stuck. Also, he can't blow his spot at that moment either. So you, you just know. have to take it in the face. Mm-hmm. This would be like wearing the invisibility cloak and somebody just pelting you with snowballs. <laughs> right, exactly. So I do have kind of a weird little aside. Okay. We've talked about Christianity and the Harry Potter universe. Mm-hmm. It takes place in our world, but there's this whole magical world that's going on underneath the surface with their own leaders and politics and all this crap. Sure. And we've talked about, does that mean... If there's Christmas in the Harry Potter world, that right. there is Christianity. And what does that mean? Yeah. Are there Christian wizards and witches? Like, how does that all play out? And that's, we've, we've talked about that on other episodes before. But I did kind of make a little shoot off in my research to mm. go, what are Harry Potter Christian fans? Like, are there communities of Harry Potter fans that are Christian? Mm. What about Christian people, people of the faith in the fandom? Yeah, And we know that there are certain denominations and like factions of Christianity that really were against Harry Potter because oh, it's sure. about witches and wizards and shit. Yeah. And I was thinking about their C.S. Lewis and the Chronicles of Narnia. C.S. Mm-hmm. Lewis was a, you know, 
pure Christian theologian Mm -hmm. that wrote these books that have these parallels and parables that have to do with Jesus, Aslan as the lion, as Christ, and all these things, which are super cool books. And following the crazy internet rabbit hole, (laughs) what I found out about is two things that people may or may not know about. One is the Hogwarts School of Prayer and Miracles. It's a fan fiction, right? Oh. And it's a fan fiction that rewrites Harry Potter in a way that changes the magic to more like Christian mysticism. Oh. And it was criticized heavily online for its like quality of writing. Sure. And also like the really heavy themes of they got their power from the devil, like wizards get their powers from the devil and all this stuff. Yikes. But it seemed like a fascinating rabbit hole to go down, but yeah. I didn't have time. Yeah. So mark that. Yeah. And then there was another author that wrote the Shadow Mancer series. Have you ever heard of this? The name kind of sounds a little bit familiar. There's four books in the series. It's geared for the same sort of YA audience yeah. as Harry Potter, but it's a Christian fantasy series that sort of mirrors like Harry Potter, but in this Christian way. Yeah. And it also has been a little polarizing with like what people think about it. But Shadowmancer was very successful and at one point was outselling Harry Potter. No kidding. That's really interesting. I kind of want to go back and read Shadowmancer. It seems like it would be really good. I'm always in awe of your open-mindedness because like I... I don't know. Like I get, for lack of a better term, and I mean absolutely no judgment about this, but I like get the ick from both of those things. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I know that it's my own closed mindedness in the sense that like, I don't consider myself closed minded for not being a Christian. That's not what I mean. Yeah. I just mean like, I am not always, in fact, I would say I am very rarely willing to kind of like cross the the line, the ideological line of where I am and like immerse myself in writings and materials and musings and thoughts of people on the other side of that ideological line. Like for instance, the witch trials of JK Rowling as a podcast, like I know that it would make me a more well-rounded individual to listen to that. And it's not going to change my opinion on anything I can guarantee that, (laughs) but you know, it would make me more well-rounded to kind of listen to and, and open my ears to this, but like, I'm, I'm not willing to do it. I'm not willing to do it. And you always have a much more open-minded stance than I do. Yeah. I think that I've probably been wrong more than you have in your life. And so that I'm trying to like compensate for that by really listening. I think that's an incredible way to compensate though. Like, you know, there's a lot of, a lot worse ways to compensate for feeling like you've been wrong. I do want to read about what Barnes and Noble had to say about why this chapter makes the list. Okay. So here's what they said. They said, during his first year at Hogwarts, an 11 year old boy looks in a mirror that shows viewers what they want most. And what he sees is his long dead family. Ouch. Way to hit us where it hurts. JK Rowling. This was our first clue as to what we were in for. I think JK Rowling tried to warn us her books would transcend the designation of a children's series. And we didn't listen. So they really hinge it on the mirror itself. But I'll tell you what I think is really great about 
this chapter, it's summed up in a quote from this chapter, which is, you know, describing what Harry feels when he looks in this mirror and it's half joy, half terrible sadness. Oh. <laughs> I feel like that perfectly sums up what this God. chapter is. Yeah, There's so much joy in reading about Harry's first experiences of like warmth and love and like the the warmy magical Christmassy feeling that you know people who like Christmas and don't have a ton of family trauma and you know that that feeling that we all yeah. get like he's experiencing all of that for the very first time you know talking about roasting all the food on the fire with Ron and this dinner and and having like presents the, for the he gets first presents time. for the first time and he you know um they get the best spots in the common room because like no one is there and it's like it really perfectly describes little like very difficult to capture and describe moments from childhood that you think of fondly even though at their surface they may not seem like much. Like, for instance, when he says, or or when the, the reader reads that they get the best chairs in front of the fire because, like, most people have gone away. Right. Yeah. There's something so, like, sneaky and fun. And I feel like everyone can think about a time when, like, you know you kind of, you had a space to yourself a little bit or things were like a little bit different than normal. And it felt like a little sneaky and fun. Yeah. It's, it captures all of that. And then you get this gut punch of something that's, it's not something happening to Harry. No one is getting hurt. No one is dying. And it is still so sad. Oh my God. You know, it's sad even before you learn what the mirror is actually showing you. Oh my God. Yes. Him reaching back, trying to reach back and touch his mom's hand. Oh God, I can't. In my notes I have, I cannot in capital letters, (laughs) which I have on most, almost every episode has that note somewhere. Well, and the fact that like his mother's reflection is crying and smiling at the same time. And it brings up a lot of really interesting questions within this like world building of the reflections in the mirror, like how sentient are they? You know, like there's a lot of interesting stuff posed here. You had a few notes and like little just things underlined in your copy of the book Mm -hmm. because I was reading your copy, the Philosopher's Stone Mm -hmm. copy book when I was doing this and it was notes from our original episode eight or whatever this chapter was, you know? Yeah. And one of the things that really stood out that you made a note of in your book that you wrote was what a turning point of changing priorities this is for Harry. Definitely. When he goes to the library, he's looking up, trying to look up Nicholas Flamel and all this crap. And they ask Hagrid like, yo, we're going to, Oh, what are you kids doing? Studying on your Christmas break. We're going to look up Nicholas Flamel. But remember Hagrid slipped up and mentioned (laughs) Nicholas Flamel. I shouldn't have told you that. And then Harry is thinking about like, what is fluffy guarding? What is Snape trying to steal that Fluffy is guarding? Like, what's this all about? This is his priorities, like, at the beginning. like His obsession, almost. What is yeah. going on? And then you have this other shift of priority of seeing his parents. I have in my notes, like, now it's real. Mm-hmm. It's one thing <clears throat> to know, yeah, your parents died when you were a baby. This is yeah. some people's reality. Like, yeah. your parents were killed in a car wreck when you were fucking nine months old or whatever. Yeah. But now he sees them. Yeah. Not just in a photo, 
which he's probably seen maybe a photo at this point. I don't think he even has, mm-hmm. but he sees them and they're alive and, but they're looking at him. Yeah. This is like what AI is about to create for us. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's a really interesting point that the fact that they're looking at him and his family is looking at him and that even if he's seen a photo, that's not something he's ever experienced in his in his ability to have a memory of is his parents looking at him. It's also interesting to me that this huge priority shift where we think about like the before and the after of this chapter, the before obsession with Nicholas Flamel, everything is still kind of jokey, jokey, ha ha, you know, it's very childlike. And then the after he discovers this mirror, what ties them both together is this cloak because he, when he gets the cloak, which he reads in the note belong to his father So there's a tie to his family there. When he gets this cloak that night, he's like, oh my God, I can go to the restricted section and read all night long if I want to. I will definitely find out about Nicholas Flamel now. And it's the cloak that enables him to kind of follow that. It's also the cloak that enables him to sneak away and accidentally discover this mirror and kind of almost like guide him the same way that his parents in the forest again at the end of the series guide him to his death. But also like accidentally find this happen to get the cloak is a little Geppetto on Dumbledore's side. Especially when we find out that Ge- that Geppetto, I literally almost called him Geppetto, that Dumbledore has been like sitting in the corner watching this happen. Like just smoking a cigarette. <laughs> I, I instantly thought of him smoking a cigarette. And then Harry turns around. <laughs> oh, shit. He's like, are you enjoying your fucking mirror, mate? <laughs> no. Looks like you're having a jolly good fucking time here. If I remember correctly, when we originally covered this, you you had a consistent thing that I think went till the very end of our coverage of the initial books that Dumbledore was like being predatory in some way and watching people change clothes. Like this morphed oh into a weird God. Well, thing. this is because, all right, there's some big moments for all the characters here, yeah. right? Dumbledore's big moment, I feel like, is when he says, strange how short-sighted being invisible can make you. Whoa. That's really cool. That's talking about Ron Mm -hmm. on the surface. Like, oh, like, Ron feels invisible, and this is why his dream is to be, and this is why his dream is to be, or the deepest desires of his heart. Mm Mm-hmm are the Quidditch captain Mm -hmm. and holding the house cup and being the house boy and all of the perfect house boy. Is that what it's called? Head boy. Head boy. House House boy. boy. (laughs) (laughs) I think a house boy is some kind of. I need a house boy. (laughs) House House boy. boy. Bring me my drink. We won't bother to learn his name. We'll just snap at him and call him house boy. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. It's got to be an elf. (laughs) But that's a really cool line. I love that. I've but really never thought about that. it also has to do with Harry. Yeah. When you look at Ron, it's kind of obvious what he sees in the mirror, what we know about him later on in the series. But with Harry, you're like, isn't that kind of true too? Yeah. Being the invisible boy. Yeah. It's Harry's expression of it is just different than Ron's. Definitely. And I like the idea of short-sightedness here too, because like when you think about when does Harry feel invisible, he feels invisible when he's at the Dursleys. He gets to the Wizarding World and everyone's like, oh my God, let me see your scar. You know, like... But, but they don't see him. But they don't see him. But yeah. also when he's at the Dursleys, he really kind of is invisible. And you think about like, what does short-sighted look like within that? Well, 
everything he's thinking about is just like what's happening later that day or the next day. You know, it's never like, I can't wait until I go to college and move away from this place and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's when you're invisible in a traumatic way, I think you're short-sighted out of a survival instinct, you know, because you can't take in too much information. This is probably how people survive prison. Absolutely. think about the next day. Yes. This is... Like what Tiger Woods used to always say, I only think about the next shot. Yeah. I don't think about the score. I don't think about anything but the next shot ever. That's the only thing to think about. And cheating on my wife. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But to circle it back to what you were saying, me talking about Dumbledore watching people put on horse pants and all this creepy shit, (laughs) is when he says, I don't need a cloak to become invisible. Mm -hmm. Because Harry's like, have you been in here like the whole time? <laughs> and he says, I don't need a cloak to be invisible. It's I'm a creeper. And he, yeah. But what's significant about it is that I don't think it means that what I was joking about the first time around, I don't think it means that Dumbledore can physically make himself invisible. Right. I think he probably could. I mean, he's a I'm, fucking powerful wizard. Yeah. But who gives a shit? That's like not on his radar. It's not what he does. What he means when he says, I don't need a cloak to make myself invisible, is to me that screams like this dude is the orchestrator of like what the hell's going on. Of course. Yeah. You gave him the cloak. Yeah. You brought him to Mirror of Air. All of these things are you're doing it. So it's a little bit like kind of scary to me, like almost creepy. Like I don't need a cloak to become invisible. Do you understand I'm behind all this? Don't you? Inter- I'm just looking at it now. I love it. Back on it. But is there also an element of looking back on it now with whole series information? Is there also an element of the complete opposite side of that coin, especially when coupled with the it's amazing how short sighted being invisible can make you? Is there a sense of. I am trapped in a prison of my own thoughts and emotions. I can retreat into that very easily without Damn. a cloak. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm the last person to to say that Dumbledore is not a huge puppet master. But I think that, that there's some duality in that line. Yeah. You know? And I mean, I think at the surface when you're reading it, it's sort of like, I don't need a cloak to become invisible. Like weird flex, but okay. <laughs> you know? But I think there is something deeper yeah, there. Absolutely. It almost feels a bit too, because you know, Dumbledore has been in the trenches of some shit. Mm-hmm. It almost feels a little bit like the world war two generation. Oh wow. Like my granddad, who is a medic in world war two, something about that line, like strikes me about him. It's like, that's interesting. There is a part of you that is, that takes up a lot of space for you that I'll never understand. Yeah. Because you've been through this experience and the things that you've seen, yeah, you know, and so it's like Dumbledore, I feel like is a bit like that too. He's a bit of an old man who's seen a bunch of crazy shit. Yeah. And now he's in this school and like, he's kind of doing administrative work in this school, but also the fucking fate of the universe is kind of on his shoulders at the same time. And he's obsessed with this little boy. (laughs) And then he goes to the rainbow bridge and that's the end of the series. But thanks y'all. It was a good night. I also just to kind of button it all up. I think that this chapter has one of my favorite endings of a chapter, which is I'm 
Actually, I won't even paraphrase. I will just read it. So Harry asks Dumbledore, what do you see in the mirror? And he tells him the thing about the socks. He says, one can never have enough socks, said Dumbledore. Another Christmas has come and gone, and I didn't get a single pair. People will insist on giving me books. It was only when he was back in bed that it struck Harry that Dumbledore might not have been quite truthful. But then he thought, as he shoved Scabbers off his pillow, it had been quite a personal question. I love that. And that's what I had in my notes also. Isn't there a bit of Yoda moment there? Definitely. A bit of a Zen master moment? Oh, sure. But master, what do you ask for? What are the deepest desires of your heart? And the master replies, the cup of tea. Fucking single, A single leaf. You know, the sound of a babbling brook. The beating of my own heart. Yeah. Silence is the deepest desire of my heart. Yeah. Connection. Yeah. It is this like moment where you reveal something about Dumbledore as like this Jedi master. Mm-hmm. And there's this cheekiness of that's not what he would actually see. Of course. As a master, that's what he's teaching. Yeah. But you also, it makes you think like, what would he see? Right. Would it be truly he's such a master of his own thoughts that it would truly just be a pair of wool and socks? Of course it wouldn't be. Or would it be nothing? Because he says the yeah. happy man looks in the mirror, doesn't see anything. But he, he ain't just sees happy. himself. Yeah, he ain't happy. I mean, I think what my kind of headcanon has always been, because of course, the fucking third Fantastic Beasts turned the mirror of Erised into like a, a looking glass into the past, I guess, because like he sees young Grindelwald. Right. It, Hashtag we're just not gonna, canon. We're not canon. We're <laughs> going to pretend none of that ever happened. <laughs> what I've always thought is that Dumbledore would see Ariana alive, healthy, in control of her magic, you know. Yeah. I feel like it would oh. be something, I honestly think it would be something very similar to Harry. It would be someone that he's lost alive, maybe even his mom, you know, who knows. But he also knows that it can drive men mad. Yeah. This is all huge. When you think about how early this was in yeah. the series, this was yeah. like, holy crap. I know. This is really one of those, what actually is this series moments? Yeah. At yeah. least it was for me. Oh, I mean, definitely. And it it introduces one of the most important, like I said at the beginning of the episode, one of the most important props. I was speaking of the invisibility cloak, but also the mirror of Erised is a very important prop to Harry Potter lore. And, you know, it's not the last time we'll see the mirror of Erised. Um, It's it's a really important part of the story, you know. Yeah. You know what else Harry is gifted? What? Sweet-ass flute from Hagrid. So sweet. Let's not forget. Oh, God, it's so sweet. So let's talk about screen adaptation of this. If you recall, in the original movie, they do, of course, cover this scene, and they cover Christmas morning and all of that. I mean, I, I would say they cover pretty much everything in this chapter, with the exception of, like, the Hogwarts feast. And, you know, they don't really cover all of that. Um But remember, when he looks in the mirror in the movie, he only sees his mom and dad. Yeah. Which, to me, kind of whiffs on the point. That's what I thought when I read this. No, it's 10 people. Yeah. It's his actual family. Family. Because it's not just a little boy wants his mommy and daddy, which is sad enough. And I think that that's very true. But what Harry has never had is 
a family. He's never had what we just had for the past week of 12 adults and three teenagers and two toddlers, three toddlers, you know, all in the house together. He's never had that. He's never looked at people and seen his own eyes or his own nose or his own knobby knees, you know. So I I mean, it has to. First of all, you cannot skip the mirror of Erised because it is the the way that this book ends is with the mirror yeah. of Erised. Like it has to be there. But my God, please, can we just like translate the actual point of the scene into a screen adaptation? Especially because Harry does get the deepest desire of his heart. Yeah. He does get a family. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I can't. Oh, I can't. <laughs> this is what's so crushing about this is that yeah. later on he gets a family. Yeah. It's Ron. It's Hermione. It's the fucking Weasleys. Mm-hmm. And it's Lupin. And it's Tonks. And it's Luna. And it's Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. And it's all of the dysfunctional, crazy, weird relationships that yeah. he has. Like, he does have it. Exactly. So, like, you wonder what would Harry see if he looked in the mirror of Erised at the very end of the series? What if it was, like, cocaine and horror? <laughs> I mean, he deserves a break. So, what about all the Christmas stuff? Like, to me, I think this is a really good thing to spend time on in a screen adaptation if you have the time. Like, you have to balance out the heaviness of this chapter with the joy and frivolity that comes before it. Beautiful. Yeah. Christmas at Hogwarts is such a big deal mm-hmm. that it's a thing at the theme park. Yeah, yeah. So, really, I mean, if I had my way, and I truly won't say this about every chapter on this list, but if I had my way, this chapter would be almost a page to page. The fidelity would be 100% translation. Yeah, wonderful. Let's take a quick break from the episode to talk about ways you can support the show, how to contact us, and let us give a couple of big thank yous. Funding for this show comes entirely from our patrons on Patreon. These wonderful people pay for our hosting fees, social media and promotional subscriptions, equipment upgrades and maintenance, and so much more. If you love this show, Becoming a patron is the most direct way to support us. Find out more at patreon.com slash the fox and the foxhound. We also understand that money is tight. So if you're looking for a free way to support us, rating and reviewing the fox and the foxhound on Apple Podcasts is such a huge help. Not only does it give us the warm and fuzzies, it also promotes the show within Apple Podcasts and helps us reach new potential foxies. Even if you listen elsewhere, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. If you want to reach us, the best way is by joining our Discord server, the FFH Mischief Center. There is a link to join on the homepage of our website, thefoxandthefoxhound.com. While you're there, consider sending us a message or a voicemail. Both are easy to find on the site. Or email us at thefoxandthefoxhound at gmail.com. Following us on social media ensures you won't miss any announcements about future meetups, episode delays, and more. We're on Twitter at Fox and Foxhound, no thes, and on Instagram and TikTok at The Fox and the Foxhound. You can also find our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Fox and the Foxhound. Finally, we'd like to thank a few very special people. Hannah Gibb, who manages our Discord server and is also a Marauder level patron. Josh Bailey, our co-producer and manager of Mischief, who is also a Marauder-level patron. Judson Hurd, who composed the original music for our show. And all of our Patreon members. We wouldn't be able to do any of this without all of you. Okay, 
let's get back to the episode. It's time for our first Gifts of the Pensieve of Season 9. These are gifts from Season 9. Open them, look at them, I hope that they're fine. (laughs) They only cost me a nickel and a dime. It's Gifts of the Pensieve time. Oh, that was nice. You wrapped that up well. Do you want me to go first, or would you like... Yes. Okay. I don't even know why I ask, because you always do. I've been thinking a lot about Bill Weasley. Oh, remember Bill Weasley was attacked and disfigured by Greyback at the end of book six when Draco was up there trying to Myrtle Myrtle trying to murder Dumbledore. I want to float underneath the water and lick it boys penis inside of a golden egg. Oh, why would a penis be inside the golden egg? I'm How confused. does her voice go again? It's like. Ooh. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, look at his penis. <laughs> okay, I don't know what you're doing right now, but anyway, he was attacked. Bill Weasley, that is, was attacked and disfigured by Greyback. But not only did he heal from his actual wounds, he kind of transformed into a new version of himself. And the reason why I've been thinking about this is because, you know, this past week wasn't just a family vacation. It was really the first time we've taken a a vacation that has always been a tradition in my family since before I was born. It's the first time we've really taken this vacation since my mom died. Yeah. And I had a lot of trepidation and anxiety and question marks about how that was all going to feel. And was it just going to be tinged with sadness the whole time? And right. And the thing is, is like, was it exactly the same? No, fucking no. course not. It wasn't, but it was new and it was awesome in its own ways. And it was, it was also my first time going as a parent myself. It was a lot of firsts. Yeah. It was the first time I've actually gone for the entire week. Mm-hmm. It was the first one since your mom passed. It was a version she would be very proud of. Oh, she would have been very happy. Yeah. <laughs> it was the first time that Paris has been to one of these. Mm-hmm. It was the first time that one of our nephews has been there since he was a baby. Like, it was a lot of... Yes. Like, the family has grown. Yeah. It was a lot of new stuff. We were also in a totally different house because we used to go every year to the house my parents owned, which they sold um, fairly shortly before my mom died. She was sick at the time when they sold it. And... Um, so we were in a totally different environment, but it was amazing to me how much still did feel the same Yeah, and how much the things that didn't feel the same still felt cool and exciting and fun, different, but fun. The groove was the same. Mm -hmm. Like your mom's absence was obvious, but the cars still stayed on the same track of who does what. And how things feel by this date. Yeah. And all the traditions were continued almost in a natural, instinctive way. It was great. What is your gift of the pensive? So my gift of the pensive, same thing. It just has to do with family. Yeah. Like what is your family and what makes up your family? A family is something that I feel like changes over time or can change over time. Yeah. I grew up with a really small family. So... To me, like, 
if we got everybody together for Christmas, there's six people there. Yeah. Your family, there. it's a clown car. You know, like <laughs> the door opens, they just keep coming out. Yeah, very loudly. But your family is also, it stretches out in different directions. Mm-hmm. Like you hung out with the uh, Minister of Mysterious Magic and Mischief today. <laughs> I did. Also known as the Manager of Magical Items. Yes. Josh Bailey. Josh is a part of your family and a yeah. part of my family. Mm-hmm. So it's like we went to see our family and then we came back. You hung out with Josh. I went and hung out with John. Yeah. Because even though we've spent the entire week with our family, we still have this other family that we have to keep up with. And it stretches out in so many different directions. Yeah. And this goes back to what we were just talking about with what Harry finds. Yeah. And he finds his family through his friends and through people he's had these experiences with. And it just makes me think about, People in the world, loneliness will kill a human being. Yeah. It is proven. Like yeah. loneliness is terrible. So if you are a lonely person or you feel like you don't have a family, just know that you can build family anywhere out of any type of people. Doesn't have to Absolutely. be blood related. Absolutely. It's time for Patronus Moments. Patronus moments are back. I hope you like them. <laughs> nice. In fact, oh, okay. Are you are you done? Can I can I finish? If I'm done, oh, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you had given me a directive for Patronus moments this week, and you said I want you to choose your top five things that happened like over vacation or over the past week. Yeah. And I did that. I just did it in no particular order. So right, this is not here. not ranked. Um, do you want me to give you all five or do we take turns? Uh, let's take turns. Okay. That's fun. So my first one is giving Paris Peanut the elephant and seeing her hug it. Oh, that was cute. We gave her this little purple. It's officially a beanie baby, which I guess are still made. And it's bigger than I remember beanie babies being. So I think they've gotten a little bit bigger. And it's a purple elephant and it's named Peanut. I mean, I think technically it's named Peanut 2 because it's like the new beanie baby. I don't know. Whatever. But we gave it to her as one of a couple of little things that we got so that she would have a couple of brand new toys in the car, which really helped and worked out well on our way to the Outer Banks. So we picked her up a couple of things at a store while we were on vacation the day before we left so that we could, you know, give her these things. And she, her whole little face lit up and we started driving again after we gave it to her. and. We looked in the mirror and she was hugging it. Like, oh my it was the cutest thing I've ever seen. This is the fun of parenting. It was so cute. It's everywhere you go, you're thinking about them. Mm-hmm. Like, what can I do to make my kid happy or yes. whatever? Yep. And then you do it and you get that good reaction. It's it doesn't so always good. happen. Right. Sometimes you get a shit reaction. Right. But right. You get that good reaction and you're like, yeah, we're winning. Oh, yeah. I mean, love she, is winning. She hugged Peanut and two minutes later she yeeted him to the other side of the car. Yeah. But she was pissed at that, that moment was great. What was your first one? So my first one also had to do with a little one. We went to the beach early in the morning because she was waking up at around 5.50 uh-huh. every morning. Yep. And I let you sleep in a couple of days and tried to take the baby out of there. But we went down to the pier and went to the beach. Actually, no, that was a different day. We walked down. I put her in a little wagon and I pulled her down to the beach. Yeah. And 
we sat on the beach and like looked at birds and we did walking practice and the edge of the water and I stuck her feet in the water and it was like the most gorgeous, absolutely, you've seen the pictures, crazy sky. Yep. The sun had only risen like 15 minutes earlier. Yeah. And it was just the sun over the ocean and these crazy little puffy clouds going by. I'll put a picture in the show notes. Seagulls and like the waves crashing. There wasn't a soul out there, just me and my kid. Yeah. There was no one in the whole beach, easternmost point of North Carolina. And she was just so happy and just, she was as in the moment as I was. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, I'll never forget this morning. Yeah. For the rest of my life. Like, this is a really special moment. Oh, so nice. So my second one also has to do with first thing in the morning. There's something very, and has always been very magical to me about this Outer Banks vacation first thing in the morning, because like pretty much my whole life, I've been a morning person. I just, I don't, I hate like missing things in the morning. So like, I'm usually up with the birds. So even though our kid was getting up at an ungodly hour because the room was so bright and she was so excited to like see all of her cousins again and all of that. But one of my Patronus moments is making, there was one morning when I made breakfast for everyone and making breakfast in that quiet kitchen first thing in the morning when no one else was awake. Before the chaos. Before the chaos. There's something just really beautiful about that. What's your next one? So my next one was going down to the beach at night, which I had promised my nephew we would do. Mm -hmm. And it was me, my two teen, our two teenage nieces, our teenage nephew, your sister, her husband, both of your brothers. Mm -hmm. And the stars were amazing. Like you could see the Milky Way like a rainbow across the sky because it's so dark out there and just bugging out with your brothers and talking about aliens and life (laughs) on other planets. There was this weird light. We had to tell you about this weird light. What? No. Okay. So we're standing on the beach and we could see a boat way out, like a little orange light of some kind of fishing boat, probably 10 miles offshore or something. Yeah. But there were these lights that kept popping up that were in the breakers like, they were so close. They were, like, in, could have feasibly during the day, like, swam and got them. Something just floating. But it wasn't undulating with the waves. What? It was just staying where it was, and it would just disappear, and then it would just appear again. What? And then there would be another one over here. You have to ask your brothers about it. It was crazy. Some other people down at the bonfire were, like, looking at it, too. Like, what is this? We didn't know if it was, like, a child's toy light-up football or something. Probably. Or aliens. If it was the aliens. (laughs) So my next one is talking to my teenage niece, our teenage niece, about her future plans. I had really never had a conversation with her about what her plans were. And she's so focused and so crystal clear about what she wants to do. And it was very cool because this is a niece who is not, she's not, she's probably about the least open book (laughs) of any teenager I've ever known. And so it was kind of cool to get a little glimpse into, into her, her brain. That dovetails with my next one, Mm -hmm. which is what I have written down teen talk with uncle Kev. Yes. This was late night teen talk after Mm -hmm. we played some boggle Mm -hmm. and all three teenagers were talking to me Mm -hmm. and I'm an uncle. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You curse in front of me. I'm not going to say anything about it. No. I'm going to probably curse in front of you. Sure. I don't really care what you think. Like, yeah. I'm not your dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
But they were asking me about all types of shit, like death. Like, why do people die? And like, what is the point of life if we all die? And existential questions of if the universe is constantly expanding, then like, how big is it actually? And these kids get into some shit, but they know they can ask me and I won't not just like straight up tell them what I think. Exactly. But we were all out on the porch and the three teenagers were asking me questions and we were making up secret handshakes. Oh yes. And I just remember thinking like, God, I miss these kids. I wish they were in my life every day. I know. So my next one is jumping into the ocean. Now the house we were staying in had a pool and I fully admit 99% of my time was spent at that pool as opposed to the beach because the beach was not, you know, we weren't on the beach. You had to kind of plan for it. You had to kind of walk there. I am, how do I put this? White. And I burn immediately in the sun. So the beach is like not, for someone who lives at the beach, the beach is like not my favorite thing in the world, but I do love swimming in the ocean. So the one morning that we packed up the baby and both of us went to the beach with her and we met up with my sister and my brother and um, nieces and all of that, everyone kind of went. Getting in the ocean was really nice. I hadn't been in the ocean, at the Outer Banks anyway, in a really long time. Sweet. So my fourth one was our final night there, Mm -hmm. which like when you spend a week with this many people, (laughs) the final night, you've made it through something together. Yeah. Like not only have you had a wonderful time and it was filled with lots of love, but you're like, damn, we survived, number one. And number two, it's bittersweet because Mm -hmm. everyone's leaving the next day and you kind of realize like, damn, how much I'm going to miss this whole week together. Yeah. And that was us playing left, right, center. Mm -hmm. And I took that picture of all of us. It's such a great picture. Yeah, I have been obsessively, or I should say Paris has been obsessively wanting to see pictures from vacation on the phone. And every time I get to that picture, she goes, Dada. I'm like, yep, Dada's in the picture. Okay. (laughs) There are you know, 15 other people in the picture. Um, So my final one is, uh, I think it was Sunday night that we were there. We had kind of a family Olympics, which I don't want to talk about the results of because I was on the losing team and it was all like fueled by the patriarchy. My niece and I decided Mm -hmm. like, you know, anyway, there was a game that there were only like Everyone didn't have to participate in this one game, but it involved passing a cup of water behind your head to the person behind you. And I did not play it because we were still kind of like rookies with the baby, like sleeping in the same room as the baby. And I had no change of clothes because they were all in the bedroom with the sleeping baby. So I was like, I'm going to sit this one out. But watching it, it was so funny. Like... There are so many of you were taking it so seriously and you all looked insane. Right. And it was And then the second group went, oh, we'll just pass it over our shoulders so we don't get wet. That was Uh a lame ass. Yeah, that was really lame. But it was was good. It was very good. What's your final one? So my last Patronus moment of the trip was... When we were driving home, we stopped at the gas station to get gas station pizza. Mm -hmm. And you were sitting in the front seat, just parked in the parking lot, feeding pizza to our kid. And she was wiping her pizza sauce covered paws all over your chest, all (laughs) over your shirt. Yep. And I just had one of those, 
man, this is like what I always wanted. Oh, that's this is what so I always sweet. wanted was a little weird family to just be like on the road doing yeah. weird shit. Like, this is great. That's so sweet. And we did, we, we, we made a believer out of Paris in gas station pizza. She was all about that shit. And she covered me in a lot of sauce. So I'm glad that that, that was a good moment for you. Yeah. I feel like we feed our kid very healthy meals. Yeah. You know, she has fruits and vegetables and healthy fats and yes, lots of water. She eats really good. And that makes me feel like, yeah, she can eat gas station pizza. Absolutely. <laughs> when you are on a six hour drive. With a toddler? With a six, not just a toddler, but like a little toddler, you know, a 16 month old. It's survival, baby. Yeah. Even though she was an angel the I'd entire time. She like, absolutely. So what are we doing for our first Marauder shout out of season nine? We're giving everyone their own reality show. Holy moly. Oh, I'm excited for this. And some of them are going to get their own little theme songs. Oh, dear. Okay. And as usual, these are improv, not pre-written down. But I do go through the list and kind of like get some ideas. Okay. So the first one that came to me was... Lessons with Larissa Oatman. Mm. The name of the show is called Lessons. And then like with, with Larissa, Larissa Oatman. Oatman. Like, yeah. Okay. Lessons with Larissa. Oh, that's nice. Lessons on love. Yeah. Life. Mm-hmm. And leaving. Leaving? Yeah. Leaving like, what? I like sad stuff, you know, like breakups and okay. moving on. Okay. Personal growth. Brianne Brown shit. Brene Brown. Shit. That's what I said. <laughs> Not only is Brianne Brown from Cleveland, she's also Brene Brown now. <laughs> I heard that. I heard that Brianna Brown is the mayor of Cleveland. I did my own research. <laughs> the Maze with Maeve. Oh, this is a game show with yes. Maeve Richards. Love it as the host, mm-hmm. of course. Congratulations on your new gig, Maeve. And it's a maze. Yes, like a like labyrinth, a hedge maze, labyrinth mm-hmm. type of situation. Yes, Cody Jurish. She has a show called The Judge and the Jurish. Oh my god! It's basically just a total Judge Judy ripoff. Love it. But the plaintiffs have complaints about other Harry Potter fans. Ooh. Like, you think the third Fantastic Beast movie was really good. Ugh. You see it as headcanon. You know, and she smacks him down. Yes, as she should. Anyone with that opinion. That's so wild, Blue Raven. Yes. Does it need any explanation? No. It's a three-camera sitcom, film live, 22 minutes long. Okay. So this next one is going to be kind of like ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. These shows where people fall and they crash doing sports. Yeah. And it's called Slamantha. Ooh, for Slamantha. Samantha Tillman. Love it. All of you are hosting these, by the way. So just get ready for that. Right. It's like, I'm your host, Slamantha Tillman. Slamantha. We got Slam-antha. some slams today. Yes. Prestigious Homesteads with Lindsay Prestige. Oh. She'll take you to the Biltmore Mansion. Mm-hmm. Take you to the Greystone Lodge. Mm. To Balmoral Castle. Balmoral Castle. Yep. She'll take you to some Frank Lloyd Wright homes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say she'll take you to some Frank Lloyd Wright shit. Some Frank Lloyd Wright shit. The Hunter. Ooh. With your host, Melissa Hunter. Sure. It's just a hunting show. <laughs> That's all it is. Hey, guys. This is Melissa. Um, here I got a 30 out 6 camo. 
We all know that turkey can see the reflection of a gun barrel, and it will scare them away. <laughs> we all know. Yeah. Now, Nick Tillman is actually going to be have a spinoff. Mm-hmm. Samantha's going to throw him a bone, mm-hmm. right, and do a little spinoff, and it's going to be called Sick Nick's Sick Slams. Sick Nick's Sick Slams. Because Samantha wants to still get her royalties. Like, she's yes. not going to not have her brand incorporated in there. Of you know? course. Mm-hmm. The Ward. Starring Natalia Ward. Ooh. It's a prison show. Naturally. It's basically scared straight. Ooh. Is Natalia the one scaring straight? Can we other talk people? about how problematic scared straight is? Um, yeah. It's You wanna not go to school? You wanna skip class? How about I fucking rape you? Then would you skip class? Like what? they like yell what? at these children, know. you know. It's I, really I know, I know. I agree with you. A cosplay show, which I would love, a cosplay show called Less is More. Mm. And it's Kelly Moore showing mm-hmm. you how you don't have to spend thousands of dollars on your cosplay yes. if you just use a little ingenuity. Yes. Big World with two Gs with your oh, host, Amber Biggs. Yes. But it's one of these shows, kind of like that show about the roll-offs. It's just about the Biggs family. I love it. A Matter of Faith. With your host, Faith Kenfield. Oh, that's nice. And this is just uh, one of these shows like, did you ever see, there was something called Amazing Stories. Amazing Stories was a show about how a dog got lost on vacation, but then it walked 30 miles back to its owner's house. I would have loved that. so a matter of faith, it's just going to be Faith Kenfield talking about people who had hope and everything worked out. Yeah. Breanne Brown. Mm-hmm. She has to be really careful to not get sued by Brene Brown. Right. Right. So we we don't want to, you know. Right. Right. We don't want to go too far with that. Right. This is Brienne's Blues Hour. Oh. Since she lives in Cleveland, <laughs> and she's also the mayor of Cleveland, and she also has never been to Cleveland and doesn't live in Cleveland. <laughs> um, it's just <laughs> Schrodinger's Brene in Cleveland. <laughs> Brianne in Cleveland. You've got me all confused. Brianne is both in Cleveland and not, <laughs> not in, Cleveland in Cleveland until she's observed. I've never seen Brianne in real life. She is both. I've never met her in real life. If I meet her in Cleveland, I'm going to say, look, this is the only thing I have to go on. She is both the mayor of Cleveland and has never been to Cleveland. Also, Brianne Brown, if you'd ever be willing to meet us in actual Cleveland, we would I will love it. Book the flights. Mm-hmm. I will pay for your flight, Brianne, if you agree <laughs> to meet us in Cleveland. Airs Aviation. Mm. Airs Aviation Hour. This is just Jennifer Ayers talking about aviation and flying and shit. Yeah. Love it. Mallory Six Salaries. Ooh. This is basically like, um, what's the uh, Two Chains has a show that's about like people that are super rich. This is just Mallory Gallagher. Lives of the Rich and Famous. Fantastic. Josh Bailey, what is his show going to be? It's got to be like a educational, like, let me teach you about fucking geography or I'll history. i tell you what it is. It's called Bail Me Out with Ooh. Josh Bailey. And it's students that are having a hard time <gasps> academically. Oh, that's so nice. And then they do one week with Josh. I and love he it. teaches them how to reorganize and get their stuff together. I love it. Keep pounding with Dean Heath. Yeah. Welcome back to Keep Pounding with Dean Heath. Is he going to say it exactly like that every time? It's going to play twice like oh, that. Oh, okay. All right. It's a sports show. It's about sure. the Panthers. It's a fan show. It's a sports show, but only about the Panthers. It's a sports show. It's <laughs> only about the Panthers. Um, get, get over, over it. it. 
The Treble with Heather Bevels. Now they're turning into like radio shows. I know. But The Treble with Heather Bevels is going to be about problems with musicians. Like the oh. treble they got into. Ooh, almost like a behind the music behind kind of Behind the thing. music, like poison. You know, why did Motley Crue break up? That type of stuff. Oh, okay. Look Who's Colin with Pete Collins. Ooh. It's just a call-in show. So these have fully turned into radio shows. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But they're also on YouTube. You know, nowadays, oh, sure. some podcasts. We'll sure. never do that. So The radio doesn't exist. Yeah, we don't really want people to look at us. No, I know. We're too awkward. And they just call in and ask Pete questions. Mm-hmm. Look who's calling. Pete, I love what it. do you think is the best Pink Floyd album of all time? And he's like, well, surprisingly, you may not agree with this, but I think it's the final cut. Oh, okay. All right. Sunday Scaries with Michael Terry. Oh, now that's, now that's, that's amazing. I love this it. This is a show about spiritual deconstruction, spiritual reconstruction. Okay, but hang on. Why has Sunday no one scaries. Why has no one made a, a show about religion called Sunday Scaries? Like with Michael Terry. Well, of course. But like why has that I'm I'm baffled as to why that hasn't happened. <laughs> the gift of Gibb. This is Hannah Gibbs show. Yes. And it's just a talk show. Love it. There's about 10 other Foxies on there. She'd be great. She'd be great. The Arius Jack Attack. Ooh. That's Arius Jack's Attacks. It's a show about animal attacks. Oh. People that got attacked by pumas. You know, <laughs> I was not bears, expecting that. Okay. Neither was Arius. <laughs> a food show, Stephen McCabe's McCrave. Ooh. It's just going to be called Stephen's McCrave's. Fabulous. It's going to be like that diners, drive-ins, and dives. It's going to be a lot better than Guy Fieri. And then our extra special shout-out, mm-hmm. hosted by Lourdes Aponte, mm-hmm. is Lourdes Aponte, oh. where, basically, where basically she appoints average people to be politicians in their local town. Ooh. So someone that's like a very beloved person who runs a fruit stand on the side of the road she comes in and says you know what you're the mayor now or you're the head of city council it's almost like an undercover boss vibe yeah i really like it big ucb energy As, as always thank you to all of our marauders all of our patrons and all of you listening that we've kicked off season nine. It's happening. We're doing it. We're doing it. The aliens are real. They're coming. <laughs> sure. There's an actual rainbow bridge. Sure. You can go to it. Uh-huh. What else do we need to mention? Um, you know, don't, uh, don't hit other people's cars. And if you do maybe just stick around. Um, I think that's a good lesson yes. for us all. If you are seeing purple elephants, you might be on LSD unless their names are peanut two. Mm-hmm. And if anyone's seen peanut one, let us know. Come out.